0: Welcome to The Amazing Truth Podcast, a podcast where we focus on real issues and have real talk and, as always, provide a biblical perspective. We hope that you will be blessed as you listen. Hello and welcome to The Amazing Truth Podcast. This is The Amazing Truth Minute.
1: This is The Amazing Truth Podcast. Real Issues, Real Conversations.
0: For the Amazing Truth Minute today, we'll focus on First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8 to 9. And it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among his peoples, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. See, when the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Jerusalem, there was a celebration in First Chronicles chapter 16. Now, during the commemoration, King David posed to give thanks to the Lord. Although David often sought God during times of trouble, he also worshipped God in times of joy. David began his proclamation of praise by thanking the Lord, and then he called on his listeners to sing psalms to him and tell of his wondrous works. King David made it a habit of reminding himself, along with those around him, of all the wonderful acts the Lord had done. In times of sadness, Worship lifts our spirits and stirs our faith. During times of celebration, worship offers appropriate thanksgiving to God and directs our thoughts to the one who bestows on us every good thing. That's Psalms chapter 16, verse 2. Worship shouldn't be limited to church services and special occasions, but rather should be a part of our everyday vocabulary, and that is The Amazing Truth Minute. This is The
2: Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast.
1: Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook at
2: The Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Real issues, real talk. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode, Kenan. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Ezra. We, we always <laughs> act like we have not seen each other, but good to see you anyway. Hey, today we are back with our series on a sexual trauma. And I'm excited to be back here, Kenan. Before we even uh, jump to you know introducing our regular guest, right? Yeah. Before we introduce our regular guest again, I mean,
0: some good feedback out there. Yes Ezra I mean feedback I mean we I we first of all let's we have shared yes. of what this topic has impacted us yes, yes. as individuals and then how it hit home it hits home yeah. but I think the listeners out there are also sharing that it's it's needed mm-hmm. it's the right time to talk about this mm-hmm. and it's never we're never late to talk yeah. about such things that affect us
2: And I think the beautiful thing I'm hearing is that we're not talking about this from a a negative connotation. We're talking about this rebuilding, you know, and a positive aspect and the framing of it. So I I think... uh, we always shy away from hard topics, and that's because we have been conditioned a certain way to think a certain way. But this is a beautiful topic. Unfortunately, we're dealing with uh, uh, an unfortunate circumstances, but we have an opportunity to make it better and yep. make it good. So thank you all who have been following. Thank you all who have been yeah. listening. Thank you all who have been sharing. And I just want to salute and say thank you so much to Dr. Karen, Dr. our guest, Karen. who continues with us. Our brave Dr. Karen. Yes, yes. 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 Uh, as you join us, listeners, uh, we want to remind you that if you need uh, to, get to talk to someone, and it um, doesn't mean that you, you, you are sick for you to talk to someone, but you want to get help to better yourself, we are continuing with our partnership with our Beryllium Psychiatry, and uh, you can reach out to Dr. Karen and have some one-on-one conversation time as we continue with this partnership. But we'll have a time where we'll talk about what that actually looks like. And how you can be part of that, you know, that help. So,
0: welcome again. Yeah, Ezra, before we start, oh, someone uh, shared and said that uh, it's good that we put these resources at the first before we begin the program. Okay. Because that's, because some people, you know, we need to tell them that there is help. Because these topics are hard. And some people might not be in a process, in a place to process it. So, it's good to share these resources first before we begin the conversation. So, then if you figure, if you feel that you're being triggered you know you can, there's help out there. So oh, yeah. I'll share a few with you. Uh, one that is common that we we I'd encourage you to use is the National Suicide Prevention Line, which is one eight hundred two seven three eight two six five. And you can text uh, text MN if you're in Minnesota. Text MN to seven four one seven four one. And then there's uh, Mental Health Crisis if you're in Hennepin County. i uh, we'll just share because you're in Hennepin County. But every county in Minnesota and I think all over the country have adult and, and children crisis line. The adult, children, uh, the adult crisis line for Hennepin County is 612-596-1223. And the children, which is 17 and under, is 612-348-2233. And there's walking therapy all across the state. And I think, I believe, uh, in the state where Dr. Karen is as well, there's some, those sort of resources. So we just wanted to begin with that, that there's help, there's immediate help, but if you feel like you're unsafe, you're in danger, please call 911
2: Thank you so much that's yeah. why I, I, I sit next to you <laughs> so that you give all these resources yeah. Now with no further ado we want to welcome back Dr. Karen as we've mentioned severally. she is a practicing psychiatry a psychiatrist at uh, uh, in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, she has been one of our good friends. Uh, whom we've sought counsel. We've worked together. She has spoken to a number of people have reached out to us to get help. Uh, In the previous episode, she talks to us about sexual trauma. Please, if you haven't listened, pause here, go back and listen to uh, episode one. You know, she builds a case. Uh, We just finished uh, uh, the last episode Recording where she's talking about her own personal experience, courageous personal experience. I think the hardest part of that was Kenan and I sitting here trying to figure out where we come in. But it was a good experience <laughs> oh, yeah. for us to be able to do that. And uh, we thank you. We thank you, Dr. Karen. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. Dr. Um, Karen. Say hi and then we'll just dive into the conversation.
1: Thank you, gentlemen. It's always great to be here. And always wonderful to
0: work with you both. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours and we feel the same way. It's always a pleasure. It's the beginning of many good things. Uh, partnership with us. yeah. yeah. So so Dr. Karin, we've talked about what sexual trauma is.
2: That was episode one. Episode two, we talked about your personal experience. Now, this episode, we're going to focus more on the effects of sexual trauma to us both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and even mentally. What does it do to someone who has gone through that experience? What can it do to a caregiver who's dealing with someone who's going through that? What can it do to a family, to a Parent, you know, to all the support systems. What are some of the effects of that? So, we are going to jump right in yep. and talk about what are the effects of sexual trauma for someone who has gone through it, and the caregivers of someone who has experiences, and they are trying to help them.
0: Yeah, and I think Dr. Karim will also bring a personal, uh, personal connotation to it. Yeah, just to, uh, yep. Go, go ahead, Dr. Karim. <laughs> okay.
1: Well you know the the effects of sexual trauma are unique it's it's a violation as i mentioned before like really no other kind of violation um and they range from everything from physical effects to emotional and spiritual effects so perhaps we could start with the physical Um, so this is it's very real injury to the body uh, when women are raped, when women are raped, when men are raped, it can cause physical damage, it can cause internal bleeding it can cause what we call for women uh, this is an injury that we call a fistula where the area between the vaginal wall and the and the anus can actually rupture and it can cause a, a, a fistula where, um, where material from the colon can drain into the vagina and cause lots of infections. And so when we are dealing with people who have experienced um, sexual violence, we look for these injuries. Of course, with men, the injuries would be in the, the anal region, um, in the rectum, and the, it can cause a lot of damage, be very, very painful. It can cause problems with sex uh, beyond the actual time of the injury, like physical problems with sex. One of the issues that women can have is what we call dysparanuria, where sex is painful for them, either because their muscles cannot relax in that area, and so every time there is penetration, with, and I'm talking about now with a partner with whom they are comfortable, um, with the husband, uh, somebody who they love, they can still have an incredibly um, tense reaction that can cause sex to be painful. And that may cause a woman not to want to have sex. we have to remember that, that sexual molestation comes in all forms, and so for men, if it's perpetrated by a woman on a boy, that can also cause him to have erectile issues um, when he tries to have his own sexual experience. So these are some of the, the basic physical issues that we need to pay attention to um, with men and women. There are other illnesses that we know well. People can um, people can acquire uh, sexually transmitted diseases from these experiences and these can range from everything from chlamydia or gonorrhea which you can fix with you know a shot of an antibiotic. Uh, to HIV, which is a chronic illness. Um, and we have much better treatments for HIV now than we did, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So people can certainly live. It's not a death sentence anymore. People can <clears throat> even have a fulfilling sexual experience. But it remains a source of great fear um, to for someone to acquire this illness, especially in this way, and to their partner as well. Um, pregnancy is another issue, it's a, it's a really hot topic these days, um, because if someone is raped and becomes pregnant, that has a lot of implications for, number one, whether they have the child or or not, if it is too traumatizing to have a baby ethically you know what do you do about that do you give the child away do you have an abortion Um, all of these are questions that women will have in their minds if they become pregnant and if a woman decides that she's going to have her child she's going to keep her child then the way that she constructs the relationship with her child is still going to be different, and she will have to do a lot of work to bond with that child and have her child safely attach to her. There are physiological issues that occur, um, and these occur with trauma in general. So for sexual trauma, there is no exception. Um, people become very dysregulated in terms of their physiology. Um, So the immune system can become dysregulated. It can cause high rates of inflammation in the brain and that can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder. It can lead to worsening depression. It can lead to other anxiety disorders because post-traumatic stress is an anxiety disorder. Um, So immune dysregulation can lead to these mental illnesses. However, as I say all the time, mental illness is is a whole body illness. Immune dysregulation doesn't cut off at the neck, it dysregulates the entire body. And so people can also develop chronic illnesses such as obesity, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, stroke, they, um, and studies that are done in children who have high um, adverse, uh, who have high ACE scores. And Keenan knows what the ACE score is. Um, but basically children who have been traumatized, it's been shown that it doesn't matter how they were traumatized, they develop a higher propensity to have obesity as adults. Um, And we believe in part that because there is a similar process that causes, uh, there's a similar process in the brain that is associated with obesity meaning that high inflammation in the brain is associated with obesity and it's also associated with post-traumatic stress disorder anxiety and depression we also know that there are changes in the in the gut uh, in the esophagus where it only takes about two hours of stress for the gut microbiome. And I'll break that down. That is the the bacteria that live in the gut um, to start to change. In the gut, there are healthy bacteria that help us to process our food in in a healthy way. When the microbiome begins to change, the healthy bacteria begin to die and unhealthy bacteria begin to grow. And that contributes to obesity as well. And it takes only two hours of stress for that to happen. So if you imagine that a person has been stressed by rape or sexual molestation, and as I shared before in my own experience, you can remember the sensations of these experiences for many, many years, for decades then people who are not treated immediately for these illnesses live with these stresses for many, many years. So I don't want to go too far too fast, so I'm gonna pause here Can um, let yeah, you ask know,
0: You know we in in um I mean we, we always think it's just emotional. Yes. And we, sometimes we, we've been guilty of making fun of people who you see someone is, is obese mm-hmm. or is struggling with something physically and we, mm-hmm. just, we, we are so quick to, to, judge, you- to judge or just brush it off or make a comment. Mm-hmm. But deep down, this could be an effect for someone who had been sexual, sexually traumatized many, many years ago. And they're still struggling with that. So it's important for us to be sensitive
2: which they themselves might not even know. Right. Like why, you know, you're treating, you know, diabetes, you're treating right. obesity, right. you're treating all these, but really what is the root cause? Yeah. Where did all this come from? And and what if correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Karen, what I'm hearing is adverse childhood, these traumas, yeah. how they affect the brain. And because the brain is, you know, the central system of the body, it just trickles down to everybody, everything else, right, and affects the, the, the whole body system. Yeah.
0: Very interesting, Ken. Yeah. I, I if I could ask Dr. Karen, um I don't know if this maybe might be ahead, but uh, so for someone who's been sexually traumatized in the past, uh what is I don't know if if you have any data, if you have any um is it is how easy is it for them to be uh perpetrators in the future? Mm.
1: So One thing that's very interesting about not just sexual trauma, but trauma in general, and and its effects, is that people are overwhelmingly likely to damage themselves. So as I said before, about 50% of people who are sexually molested or raped. About 50 of them engage in high 50% of them engage in high-risk sexual behavior. And so what they're doing is replaying the injury on themselves over and over and over and over, and over again. Um, in an attempt to try to gain control of a situation that really they could not control and another 50% of people freeze they avoid they they avoid the sexual act altogether okay and sometimes people do both there is a small subset of people who become perpetrators themselves they they contextualize what's happened to them as being a way of life, and so they will perpetuate it. Um, and what is interesting, and we don't we don't have a good explanation for this, is that when people have been traumatized, that trauma follows into the first generation. Um, And we found that in populations where there has been a lot of trauma, and I'm, I'm sort of getting out of the sexual trauma wheelhouse a little, I'm talking about sexual, physical trauma, the death of, you know, violent deaths of people witnessed by small children. When those children grow to be teenagers, or when, yeah, when those children grow to be teenagers, they tend to a a certain percentage a small percentage tend to perpetuate incest on little children on other little children now why this is is very very difficult to answer um what is it that they are trying to cope with by by doing by committing these acts is uncertain But the fact that it happens, and it happens across the board depend, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of um, the region in the world, regardless of race, this can happen. That much we know.
2: You know, we're in a class right now, (laughs) so much running through my head, uh, but we have to stick to the topic. So those are some of the effects of physical uh, uh, trauma that comes with um, uh, as a result of sexual trauma. I mean, uh, physical effects uh, can cause chronic diseases, you know, can be handed down generationally you know, um, how we react to it. We can be perpetrators, you know, and, and so forth. What about the emotional side now? What, what does sexual trauma do to the emotional side?
1: So without healing, mm-hmm. um, sexual trauma can be really debilitating and because it's a significant cause of mental illness. And we all think of post-traumatic stress disorder, when we think of sexual trauma, there there are actually different phases. So there's the acute phase, and the acute phase happens right after the trauma, within the first month. If we can get to someone and intervene within the first month, they are less likely to develop post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, Post-traumatic stress disorder we diagnose after a month, if the person has persistent symptoms that are, um, that are consistent with the, that illness. And those symptoms are things like nightmares, uh, what we call flashbacks, um, and colloquially, I would call them daymares Meaning that during the day, you are transported back to the time when this situation happened and you dissociate from reality. So you're not appreciating that you're sitting, for example, I'm sitting in this room. There's this picture behind me. Uh, Ezra and Keenan are here with me. I will be literally thinking about this thing and excluding everything in my present. So that's what a flashback is. People also become hypervigilant. Hypervigilance is another thing that we look for. Hypervigilance means being in a state of heightened awareness all the time, Uh, constantly looking around, being very uncomfortable if someone walks up behind you, well, some people will sit facing the door of any room they're in, so they can see who's going in and out, um, and that's uh, that's those kinds of things are what we consider hypervigilance. Um, we people also have like a heightened startle response, meaning you know if somebody comes up behind you and surprises you, anyone would startle but there are some people who will startle and start to cry they will startle and scream and and you know run it, it's a really exaggerated response or they have like a really exaggerated fear response so uh, for example if uh, if ezra or keenan walked up behind me and i didn't expect it i my heart would start racing i would jump probably but then I would turn around and see that it's someone who is, you know, my friend who is kind, who doesn't mean me any harm. And I would calm down for people who have been violated. Sometimes they just cannot calm down. It, it just keeps going, even though they know that they are safe. They cannot process in their minds that they're safe. So that is another symptom that we look for. Um, so uh, another thing people do is they avoid the place where the trauma occurred and people can sometimes really go out of their way to avoid the place that the the trauma occurred. You know, they could drive an extra mile so as not to pass the spot, you know, that that sort of thing. Um, So these are some. Of the the symptoms that we look for for post traumatic stress disorder, they occur in acute stress, and in acute stress, there is also a much greater propensity for people to dissociate, to come out of their the room they're present, and also to come out of their cell, themselves. You know, sometimes people will describe that they are up above floating above their head, looking down on the scene, on the situation, that's called depersonalization, where, where people literally separate themselves from, from their body and physically what's happening with them. That can happen while the injury is being perpetuated, while the insult is being perpetuated. It can also happen afterwards it can happen when people are trying to discuss it people can become very confused they they don't remember details and i will sort of mention here as we're talking about this that you can imagine for someone who has not received treatment or who is in the process of being treated and still is still in this state of heightened stimulus from this to be placed into a court of law
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and asked to describe these incidents and be cross-examined about it it could be a truly truly horrific experience and cause the person to become very very confused so we can put that into brackets because there's a legal aspect to all of this as well. And the reason that a lot of people do not come forward at the time of the insult or they they come forward years after is very much related to the difficulty they have managing these emotions, managing The mental health aspect of what's going on with these issues.
0: Yeah, and I know the 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 legal aspect of it. You know, there's that preservation of evidence where the the law wants you know the victim to to see someone within a certain period of time, which is difficult for someone who has Mm -hmm. just gone through abuse or trauma. Yeah, but or even who's not ready to. Oh, yeah. to uh, address that issue, yeah. you know
2: mm-hmm. Wow mm-hmm. So that's the acute phase mm-hmm.
1: So so if we are able if I am able to see people within a week or two of the insult, there are certain medications that I can start that actively target these symptoms. Um, they actively target the nightmares, they actively target the anxiety that's going on, Um, they start quieting the system right away. And so I, I have had personal successes and I know of other psychiatrists who have had personal successes intervening very quickly and then being able to get people to a place where you know a few months later maybe a year later we can actually get them off of the medications Um, these are usually people who didn't have uh, like a mental health component to their health uh, history before the insult and so the sooner we as psychiatrists and psychologists therapists can see people the more effectively we can treat the difficult piece of this is that people are intensely reluctant to come forward right after the insult they are they are intensely reluctant to come forward and so they often miss that window of time when our care can be the most effective and so if you, if you don't remember anything else that I say today, please, please, I beg of you, if you are injured in this way, please come forward as soon as you can. You, you, don't, you don't have to tell the whole story but at least let us help you through the acute phase of this until you feel safe enough to actually tell the entire story.
0: So so basically what you're saying is this, that when someone comes out sooner, you're able to treat at least the, the symptoms. I want to call it symptoms. Mm-hmm, so the then symptoms. That, right. So that brings someone to a better place to actually be able to Share or even come forward and report it. You know? So it's, yeah.
1: And talk about it. Yeah. Right. You know, and report, yeah. you know, you can call 911. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You can call 911 and have the ambulance come. If you don't want to tell the story to the police just yet, if you get to the hospital, you can get a a, a psychiatric evaluation in addition to having the rape kit done. It feels very invasive. It feels very impersonal. But not only does it record things for the legal piece of it, it sets you up to get the interventions you need mentally yeah. very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I think this is important for us to understand and to know that um, there is intervention. And the sooner we seek that intervention, the better it is for us. Now, what 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 happens now, Doctor? Can someone who has gone past that acute phase, how does that emotionally now play out?
1: So, if someone has gone past the acute phase, then the most likely it will take longer, but it's certainly not something that's you know at that point, intractable. We treat people all the time who come years, decades, after an insult has been perpetuated. I've, I've treated people in their 70s who were traumatized in their 30s, um, and the medications still work. Sometimes they work surprisingly quickly, sometimes they take a little bit longer, but Wherever you are in this process, however long ago this happened, it is important to get treatment, especially if you're still having symptoms. There, there are people who live with nightmares every night for many, many years. And so if you, if you think about what I said about it, just taking two hours um, for your, the flora in your gut to, to change, to, you know, flora and fauna that would, you know, promote uh, obesity and other um, health challenges. Imagine somebody living with the stress for decades, you know, and the, the effect it will have on their body. So wherever you are in this process, I encourage you to speak to someone, even if it is your doctor, your your primary care physician, Uh, if you can't speak to anyone else, your primary care physician can set you on the path to find someone who can help you to process these issues, who can uh, provide medication um, and help you to get some kind of healing
2: So, Dr. Curran, if I may ask a follow-up question on that. You talk about medication. Are are you talking about treating the symptoms? Does that medication treat the symptoms that come as a result? And then uh, uh, additionally to it, then there's therapy, or or how does this work? You know, when people hear psychiatry and they hear medication, (laughs) it's like, you know, the side effects are well known for this medication more than anything else, right? Um, People are always nervous and afraid of it. What, What would you say about stuff like that?
1: Mm-hmm. So, just like everything else, uh, mental illness, <clears throat> it's, an, it's illness, it has a certain course, it has a certain prognosis. Um, and the, the time at which one intervenes is important to the response in many ways. Um, I, sort, I sort of like to draw this analogy. Um, so, so let's say somebody, let's say a woman feels a, a lump in, in, in her breast. If she goes to her primary care physician right away and she says, I felt a lump in my breast, well, it's going to set into motion a certain cascade of events, right? She's going to be referred to OB they're gonna do an ultrasound, they're going to biopsy, um, and that biopsy will yield you know, results. If the result is that she has a cyst, then great. Okay, we can leave it, we can take it out, whatever. you know. If the result is that she has cancer, that in turn sets up another chain of events, okay? And with that chain of events, she, we may arrest the cancer at stage one, where she would, but she would still have to go through a certain number of things. So she would have to have surgery to have the tumor removed from her breast. She may have to do chemotherapy depending on the type of breast cancer it is. Even if it's stage one and it's local, she may still have to do the chemotherapy. She is also going to have to eat correctly and have the right nutrition, right? She's also going to have a lot of family support Sometimes people need therapy because they're going through this horrific thing and they may have small children at home. Woman, you know, may have been breastfeeding, you know, when she developed this, she can't breastfeed baby anymore. It can be stressful. So chemotherapy is not the be all and end all of her care. It's the care is is holistic care in the purest sense. When people say holistic care, they often remove the aspect of care that is physician generated. And they instead use the word holistic as a term to describe care with nutrition and exercise and water and sunshine and whatnot. But then they remove the expertise Um, of the physician, and I think that that is faulty thinking. That is not holistic, it is partitioned care in a different direction, in an alternative direction. Holistic care really is exactly what it says. It is 360 care where you have the physician caring for you, you have support from your family, from your church, you have um, a nutritionist or you know, someone who is, works within that wheelhouse uh, to educate you on how to best strengthen your body. You have a therapist, you have whoever to help you with all these things.
0: And I, oh, go ahead. It's... Go ahead. go
1: ahead. Yeah, and the people who do the best are the people who have this kind of holistic care. With, and I'm, again, I'm just talking about breast cancer here. Let's say, similar situation, the woman feels the the thing in her breast. She gets afraid. She doesn't go. Four months later, it's bigger. Her doctor feels it and says, "Okay, I need to send you. So the doctor puts the cascade in place. Well, at this point in time, she may have stage two or stage three. They may find a lymph node, they may whatever. And so it has to be more invasive, whatever they do, it has to be more invasive, it has to be more aggressive. And so now we're thinking less about nutrition and support and all of that, and we're thinking more aggressive. Surgery now, you know, chemotherapy now, this and that now, we'll deal with the other things later, but we, we got to get this done. You know, and if God forbid, she lets it go long enough that it's stage four, Well, now is a crisis. And in a crisis, you're not saying, "Okay, go and walk in the sunshine. You're saying, get in the hospital. We need to put a plan in place. Mental illness is exactly like that. It's not different from other chronic illnesses. If you get to it early, absolutely. If if I can get to a patient early, They will be exercising and and out in the sunshine and getting proper nutrition and able to accept the support of their family and all of these things much, much sooner. But if they let it go on for decades, we need to move with medication because that is the stage of the illness. That's where the illness is at this point. Mm
0: -hmm
2: beautiful analogy very beautiful analogy I think it brings and and, and you know just helps to uh, the to paint a picture and the importance as to why we need to be intentional Kenan, <laughs> 2021 is almost gone we still need to be intentional <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, talking about. <laughs> we need to be intentional in all these things uh, Dr. Karen our
0: time is quickly running but Iza, I want her yeah. to I want her to touch on I think holistic care uh it's, I'm sure it looks different when it's incest, mm-hmm. right? Because I know you talked about uh, there's a, if it's a family, holistic involves the doctor, the therapist, and the family. Now, when mm-hmm. the perpetrator is someone who's within the family. That, that takes a whole different turn, right? that, that yes. You know, it, it looks different. And so that's, that's the first. Thing. I want you to react to that. The second thing I want you to react to is now, how do you treat children differently? and what how does that look like in just a nutshell
1: okay so let me begin with the caveat that i am not a child psychiatrist and so i do not feel supremely qualified okay. to discuss the treatment of children mm-hmm. i do know child psychiatrists and i i believe that we need to have an entire podcast on the treatment of children and the issue of the family dynamic it becomes very very different what i can speak to is the way that parents interact with their own children when parents have survived this kind of violence Because it impacts their children. Many, many times women come to see me not at the point in time when they are raped, um, but at the point in time when their child is at the age that they were. So if if incest was perpetrated on them when they were five years old, women will show up, in my office when their child is reaching their fifth birthday. Mm. And the story is not going to be, I was raped at five. Mm. The story is going to be dark. I don't know what's going on, but I feel so anxious. I'm overreacting to everything. I think that my child is gonna die and I'm panicking about them all the time. And mm. I'm, I'm so worried that I'm afraid to send them to school. I'm checking in on them all the time. I can't sleep at night. I'm checking in on, on, on my five-year-old at night. You know, I don't know what's going on. I don't want them to go near to anyone. What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Okay. Help me with this anxiety. And then when I do the social history, then it comes out. Thus and such happened to me at this age, whatever it was. And then we, we have to start from there at that point and say what you're experiencing is complex post-traumatic stress disorder where trauma was perpetuated on you and now your child is at that age and you are seeing that they are at risk and you are trying to protect them by worrying excessively, which is something people do very commonly when they feel out of control. They worry excessively in order to do something. And so, this is, you know, when when you talk about the care of children, I mean, the the traumatized person very easily can traumatize their child Mm. in many, many different ways, okay? And not just in the obvious incest was perpetrated on me and therefore I'm gonna perpetrate it on my child. In fact, most of, most of the patients I see are actually the opposite. I see some people who are, you know, they, they are um, sexual offenders, they've been in jail, they, and they have a history of being sexually molested. I do see, I do see them occasionally. But I will say the vast majority of people who injure their children do so unwittingly by not being able to manage their own emotions. And so they will if if they're a man, um, and this I've seen, if they're a man who upon whom you know sexual violence was perpetuated, and they have a child they may want to stay away from that child they may be constantly worrying that they may become an abuser and they may they may not effectively bond as a man should bond with his child and they may interrupt the attachment that that child is supposed to form with women they can traumatize their children by really stressing really stressing them you know the, the chi- You know how little kids are. A little girl is walking around and she pulls her skirt up over her head and then mommy screams at her. Okay? Now, the child has not committed a sexual act. The child is being a, a four-year-old or a three-year-old or a five-year-old and cannot contextualize why she is being shouted at for pulling her skirt over her head. Mommy seeing the skirt over the head is having a different reaction. So these are the issues. This is the way that, you know, when children are damaged like this, they can perpetuate that damage as adults to their own children with the best intentions, with the intention of trying to keep them safe, with the intention of trying to make sure that they are shielded and and covered and that nothing ever happens to them. So again, it it is very important, if you are starting to notice that you're, you're shouting at your children, that you're responding to your children, when what they are doing is just being children, it's time for you to go to your primary care physician and say, I, I need some help to figure this out.
2: Wow. You know, we ask you a question, you, you open another Pandora box. <laughs> we want to follow up with more. Uh, it, it just helps when you paint this picture because it comes back to the concept of parenting. You know, we're talking about how our parenting can affect and also cause trauma to the children because of unhealed trauma in ourselves that we went through and um, mm-hmm. being able to recognize to ident- and, and maybe I can say even the social structure of how you engage and interact with people you know um, mm-hmm. it just it just it, it's just uh, uh, you know I, I'm debating whether to, you know I, I once walked into a room and, and this lady was crying and and i couldn't understand why she was literally crying and she broke down and she was crying and she was crying and later on i i was like guys what's going on why is she crying then she said because we're in the same program it was a missionary training program so we're together and we used to engage a lot and i was one of the leaders and then after she calmed down she said you remind me so much of my father mm-hmm. and how you manage and you do things i'm like so I just walked into the room.
1: <laughs> what did I do wrong?
2: What does that mean moving forward? How do I engage with that? Because we trigger each other because we don't know what somebody went through, and our presence there—what that does, and how we show up and show up. Kenan, I want to start winding up?
0: We, we, Doctor, yeah. we won't even get to the spiritual part today. <laughs> <laughs> we'll build it up from we'll there be, next we'll time. Be, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So, I, yeah, I think before I think, Doctor, can give us your final words, and then and then we jump over here and we can wrap it up. I know we say it a lot, and this, we don't know where you're going <laughs> to start, but then we have another part. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably have now. two more parts now, yeah. two or three more parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Give us your final thoughts. could be anything.
1: Yes. So, m- my final thoughts. First of all, I think it is wonderful if we are going to do an entire podcast on the spiritual piece of this. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that it is the most important piece and it has multiple implications for the church, for our treatment of each other, for the way that we perceive other human beings, um, you know, and for the way that we need to adjust our lens to understand God's love to ourselves, those of us who have survived uh, this kind of violence, and for those of us who are observing people without knowing what they have been through um i believe with my whole heart because i do this work that nothing is impossible with god and no matter how how much violence has been perpetuated on a person there is grace there is saving grace sometimes it's very difficult to step forward and say that you need it find a trusted friend or find someone who is able to help you who is a complete stranger like the suicide hotline it's people don't just call because they're suicidal they also call when they need help yeah but Please, I beg of you, if you are out there listening, and any of what has been said today or in any of the other podcasts resonates with you, reach out for help. Just take the step to let someone know that you need help. And we can, if you call if you call Ezra, if you call Keenan, we can help you to find resources so that you too can begin your healing journey
0: thank you ezra i'll give mine and then i'll let you take it away um rightly so dr karen i think it's important to i want to speak to the silent victims there's all lots of articles written about silent victims and uh, it, this is 1999 20% of rapes and sexual assaults were reported to law, law enforcement officials that's fewer than one in every three and then mm-hmm. of all sexual abuse children in grades 5 through 12 48% of the boys 48% of the boys and 29% of the girls had no one to talk about to tell about their abuse so there's lots of silent victims out there and I, I, I implore you to find the courage to talk to someone just mention a word something and someone will be there to help you there's a lot of so people who are suffering in silence just not just sexual abuse there's domestic abuse there's there's workplace uh, abuse all these other things so if you're a silent victim out there there is help there's help for you all right thank you so much i just want to speak to
2: everyone and say that uh, we are not experts by all means yeah. but we create a space and a place where hopefully we can together learn from each other and grow uh, we ourselves are not perfect. We are imperfect beings, but we also want to be part of a solution in terms of creating this space and this place. So, uh, as we we continue having these tough, uh, needed conversations, it is because we want to create a better place a better human being, a better society, where we all belong and where we all can be. We might struggle from our traumas in the past. We might be people who have victimized others, and you equally yourself, maybe it's because it was historical and trauma, whatever reason it was. Please find help. Find help, call wherever you need to call, talk to someone you need to talk to, and know that uh, help is on the way. As I constantly say, you're wonderfully and fearfully created for a purpose and for a reason. Find that purpose and reason in life and uh, you, it, might, it won't be easy but it will be meaningful and worthwhile. I want to close by saying that has been our podcast. Please like and subscribe, AmazingTruthPodcast.org. Yes. You will find us there. Mm-hmm. Beryllium Psychiatry, Dr. Karen is doing amazing work. We can always refer you to her and get you sorted out so that you can get help. And we also have other care partners that we're going to be building on so that we have enough capacity to continue helping you out. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, where else? All the podcast part, All platforms. All the podcast platforms, yeah. Spotify and so forth so that we can together continue growing. Don't just listen and, and sit sit on this by yourself. Share with someone yeah. and like and subscribe so that we can get this message out. Until then, that, until next time, that has been our time. We pick 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 it up next time with effects of spirituality and sexual trauma. See you for the next podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Amazing Truth Podcast. We hope you were blessed as you listened. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. God bless you, and see you on the next one.